Good morning, good afternoon, and good evening, and welcome to Umlink Energy Speaks Back, powered by Heart. My name is Paul Webb. I'm the founder of B2B Energy, and I'm your host. Weekly, I present to you experts from around the world, and today I'm in Trinidad. Our purpose, as always, is to provide a good understanding of energy management knowledge from around the world, which is available today for us to deliver savings that impact on our planet. So before we get into our interview today, I would like to recognize our sponsors. They are Umlink, who are taking the confusion out of energy management, Clean Energy Revolution for their knowledge and networking in the renewable world, B2B Energy for the 11-week energy program and driving down organization's third largest expense, Hark Systems, renowned for their energy software, Alexis Energy for their power management initiatives, led by Vision for their LED and control systems, Simewatts for their electronics and EV transition program, Carbon Black Global for their waste to energy initiatives. And lastly, our certificate partners, Esther Energy. Welcome to episode 69 of Umlink Energy Speaks Back, powered by Hark. My special guest today is a published, highly capable and motivated petroleum expert with the passion to drive and introduce renewable energy and energy management into his country. So without any further ado, I give you Adrian Thomas. Adrian, good morning to you. And it's obviously good afternoon from us in the UK. So how are you today? I'm pretty good. Um, In a good mood today, I think I tend to really enjoy Christmas with family and friends. And I've been able to see my sister from the States, who I haven't seen in two years. And it's been, you know, it's allowed me to take some time off and to just take the edge off of my usual hustle and bustle daily life. Brilliant. And I can see the sun looks like it's trying to come through them curtains. Is that right? Yeah, yeah. It it is hot. The one thing I, I, I don't miss too much about the UK is the the weather. In particular, I was in Newcastle. People were nice to me, but at some point, I liked seeing the sun. And you mentioned Newcastle. That is probably the coldest place in the UK <laughs> to live. Um, and someone from Trinidad, that, that, I'm sure you've got some stories there, haven't you? Yeah. Um, one of the funniest stories, I think, when I, the first two weeks I was there, there's like a orientation type thing. There are events for new people coming on the program or in the campus. So I was doing a master's there. And these people come around the, to the dorm rooms and, you know, we have events. And one of the, one of the events was, they're like, hi, Adrian, and these really bubbly undergrads. And they're like, we're going to the beach. This is a beach in Newcastle. And they're like, you want to come? And I said, no way. And they're like, why? I said, I'm from the Caribbean. All right. It's just, there's no comparison there's no way that's better than what I've seen. But eventually, I eventually went to the beach in Aberdeen, and that was cold. It was just ridiculously cold. Not the same, <laughs> not the same <laughs> sentence that you would have, no? No. Uh, eventually, you warm up, but that was just cold, man. 
that Aberdeen beach was just freezing. I didn't enjoy it at all. All right, well, but being a, no, being a Caribbean person though, uh, the beaches are something that we pride ourselves in. Yeah. And how long was you in the UK for? A little more than a year. I did my uh, my masters in Newcastle. Right. So Adrian, uh, we've met on LinkedIn and we've been yeah. sort of having a chat about what we both do in the energy sphere um, in both our countries. So tell us some background about yourself and, and what you're doing in your country. Well, I consider myself I'm looking to become an energy specialist. You know, um, I read somewhere that you always try to be a specialist and it's a continuous process. You don't, you don't ever really get there. But for me, I'm always into energy. And at a young age, I was lucky that I knew what I wanted to do. I was always into earth sciences. I always liked to go um, find fossils, whether they be ammonites or fossilized leaves, or I was always very interested in the dinosaurs when I was younger. For some reason, that always fascinated me. And I always liked geology and geography. And that led me to do um, those same things at school. And I, I, and I, you know, I excelled in it because I liked it. And that's something key that I think some of us don't get the opportunity to. So I was very lucky to do what I like. And that led me to do uh, an undergrad in petroleum and geology. And from that experience, I was able to understand the energy industry. I was able to understand why we have oil and gas and why we need to move away from it. But the, some of the challenges that arise when we actually have to transition. The transition is not easy. I think some people think that it can be done quickly. It is actually very difficult to do it very, very quickly. But subsequent to that, I also realized that the, the need for sustainability in the energy mix. And that led me to do a master's at Newcastle University in renewable energy. And what that did for me, though, it opened my eyes again as to how this can be done. And I tell everyone that I meet that the energy transition is not an option. It's not an option. It's not a good idea. It's not something that we say, you know, we can do this tomorrow. It has to be done. The challenge is how. And the challenge is not when, because when has to be now. The question is, how do we do it without... Um, negatively impacting financial or finances or the, the balance sheets, if you will, of some of these large companies who employ thousands of people. So in terms of the background, I would say I'm an energy specialist, an energy professional, and someone who's trying to understand how we can work towards the energy transition globally. But I do operate and live in the Caribbean, in Trinidad and Tobago, and I've been able to get some, you know, some projects under my belt in renewable energy over the past eight years or so. What sort of projects have they been? Can you, can you give us some detail behind sure. it? Sure. So one thing that I did, I came back from the UK, came back to the Caribbean, and the interest in renewable energy was very, very slow. Right? Even by global standards, we are still behind significantly as it pertains to implementation of renewable energy technology um, within the Caribbean. We do have some good um, forefront runners, like Barbados is quite progressive, and to a large extent also Jamaica. 
Um, so what I did when I first came back, I got myself involved and I founded an NGO and I focused on education. I focused on, we focused on how to get people to understand what is energy management, what's the transition, why do we have to go green? And we were able to do projects in schools in Tobago. We were able to do projects in the interior in Guyana, where we were able to install a solar water pump for villages that live off grid and to show them that they can actually have a certain level of, of a certain standard of living using solar, using alternative energy means. They don't have to have a generator making noise, burning diesel. So we were able to do work also in Haiti. We were, I was able to get involved in a project there to do design of systems because in those countries, they have an unreliable grid, similar to Guyana to uh, some extent, where they actually are able to augment their grid supply with renewables. So we were doing mostly renewable energy projects, some energy management, and we're looking to actually ramp up next year into doing bigger things. You've been looking at, at generation, basically, um, and yeah. delivering generation in your country. Yeah, what about energy, energy management? Are, they, are there organizations there focusing on how much energy they use and looking to save that? Is that on their radar? Well, something that we do commercially, of course, are energy audits. And we're going to grow significantly in that space. To be honest, energy audits are not very popular in the Caribbean. Some companies have done it, in particular in some countries in the, in the region. For example, Barbados has energy auditor companies. But in Trinidad and Tobago and Guyana and some areas that we focused in, it's not very common at, at all. Right. And although energy costs are very low in Trinidad, they're pretty high in Guyana. They're sort of average in Grenada, for example but we don't get companies actually championing energy management. And that's something that we're looking to grow into. Why, why aren't they popular? I think it has to do with education. Um, I could be wrong, but I think it has to do with, if, if I tell someone, hey, I can reduce your energy cost by 10%. I think there's part of the, part of the, the sentiment is, well, I can just take off my lights more, use less of my AC. I don't really need a consultant for that. I think part of, of business thing that they can do it themselves, which may or may not be true. Some companies do quite a good job of, of, of energy management and conservation. They in fact do, and some of them don't. But um, I think part of it is similar to a financial audit, which was required because of what was happening with the economy in the US 100 years ago. Similar to that, energy is becoming a big thing. So much so that um, I saw job postings from Amazon in energy transition. I'm thinking to myself, why does Amazon want someone to work in that field? Energy is becoming a serious topic. As the population grows, as countries develop, they need energy. All right? A country can't go from um, underdeveloped to developed status without a regular and reliable supply of energy. They can't. So the idea of an energy audit will become, and we are working hard on that, something that's almost mandatory to manage energy. Just like any company has to do financial audits, any company commercially, we're working towards that, has to consider how they use energy. Because one thing that is not being talked about, we have oil and gas, 
we have renewable energies, solar, wind, and so on. One thing that's not being talked upon, we are being pushed for more and more and more energy. What we're trying to do is meet demand without impacting the environment negatively. But we need to understand that our demand for energy has to be curtailed somewhere. Yeah. We can't keep demanding more and more from the planet. We can't keep doing that. We can't keep saying, oh, well, we just put a, a solar farm in, put another wind farm in. But at some point, we have to say, how do we use less energy? How do we not do this? Because the earth can only give us so much. Do you understand? It's been significant growth, um, and specifically in the developing countries. But we are seeing uh, circa 4% energy growth uh, across the globe yeah. um, on a regular basis. Um, and what with the, the developing countries as well, that's just going to expand further and further every year. And you're right in what you're saying. We've got to reduce it. Energy, yeah, energy management's got to come into this. It is. And getting into it, but one of the biggest problems with that people don't talk about, for example, with nuclear energy, um, is that the biggest challenge it is, it's not just the waste disposal. The biggest problem, I think, with renewable energy is that it actually works pretty well. Once there's no environmental impact, of course, but we have to move away from that. Nuclear energy does produce a lot of power. It actually does. But how do we find something similar to that without the harmful impacts on the environment? So we really have to think, uh, what are we doing? We're just going to keep throwing more and more technologies behind energy? Or are we going to say, well, how do we use less? How do we really use the minimal we can to get these our day-to-day -day lives going? The, um, the split, the percentages at the moment regarding renewables and, and fossil fuels in your country currently? Well, let's take it by the two countries I know most about. So in Trinidad, it's almost 99% fossil fuels. Right. Yeah, uh, Trinidad and Tobago is a oil and gas exporting country. So similar to the Kuwait and some countries in the Middle East, our CO2 output per capita is probably fifth in the world. So we are what we call energy hogs because we have a lot of cars on the road. We have a lot of heavy industries. We are oil and gas exporting country. Um, as it pertains to countries like Guyana, it's still mostly diesel. They still mostly use probably more than 70%. It's still hydrocarbon based. And across the Caribbean region, that's more or less very similar. We're still heavily dependent upon fossil fuels for our power generation. And presumably because you've got an abundance of gas and oil, your energy prices are low. Very low. To... <laughs> Very low. Well, mm -hmm. at least in Trinidad. So Guyana's pretty high, but that may change in about five years because they found significant hydrocarbon resources right. within the last six years or so. Um, some of the other islands within the Caribbean don't have hydrocarbons, but their costs are a bit, a bit high. I would say above average, if you will. Could be about 18 to 22 cents per kilowatt hour. The challenge do you have in your country? Are you you one of many, or there's not so many of you energy specialists there? There are not many, um, but it's growing. I would say within the last two years, I've seen an uptake in people talking about renewables and more so uh, energy management. So I would say when I did my um, <laughs> a funny story. When I did my, my master's, one of uh, 
someone I knew, I, I wouldn't say he's a mentor, he's a little older than I am. He worked at BP and he's telling me, why are you doing that? Renewable energy will only have a ceiling. It will never replace oil and gas. There's no point for you to leave the industry or do something else. In 2020, he was let go. And he's now, he's, he's now actually unemployed since last year. So part of it is to understand trends and, and any entrepreneur honey needs to have that gift of seeing what is, but also seeing what will be in the next five to 10 years. And I knew that renewable energy will have to have a bigger share of the pie within 10 years time, within five years time. And that's why I did it. So um, these are the things that are important that you're able to understand where the economy is going and where the opportunities are, are there as an entrepreneur. Are there many big commercial businesses in, in your country that should be looking at this that are global maybe? Hmm. Well, in terms of renewable energy, then a lot of small companies, yeah, a couple of small companies, nothing massive. And that's because, so for example, in Trinidad, grid tide solar is not allowed. It's not legally allowed as yet for you to grid tie your solar system to the grid. Of, right. And that legislation has been talked about for about eight years with very small, I would say jumps, if you will, in it being enacted. So we do have legally, we still have huge boundaries in actually uptaking solar, or even uptaking any other forms of renewable energy. So we, go, we have- Just hmm? go back on that a second. So you can have solar on your roof, but you can't connect it back into the grid. Is that what you're saying? You can't. So you can only do off-grid solar if right. you wish. Right. No grid tight solar is allowed. You can apply for it, but that can be a lengthy process. And most yeah. times the answer is no. And is that because of restrictions on the grid, um, sort of uh, infrastructure problems? Um, or is that what they tell you? <laughs> I think it's a matter of both, right? Yeah. I think we do have a situation where we have a fair amount of generation already from our um, from gas-powered systems natural gas power systems. We don't have an energy shortage in Trinidad yeah. where we have an energy surplus. Excess power on the grid may not be attractive for the local utility. But I, I, I do believe that they will do it as a matter of when. It could be next two years, next three years. And that's one of the reasons why I focused heavily in Guyana for my actual company and for growing that business because there was no real demand or support for the business in Trinidad. And you've got you've got staff there, haven't you? That you're developing. Yes. So we are developing staff. We have guys, what eight guys who are with us. We are partnered with to do renewables and as well as energy management. We actually had a meeting this morning, and we are doing. We're looking to see how we can really create a, a strong energy management company, focusing on energy conservation and renewables and energy efficiency within the Guyana space. And what do you think your challenges are regarding that? What sort of things you're gonna need? The changes in, to get it done, you mean? The challenges regarding um, challenges. what's ahead of you, people, technologies. Well, as it pertains to the energy management, one of the biggest challenges would be education, right? People don't have the understanding that we need to conserve energy. 
it still is not something that is fashionable. I would say installing, installing solar panels is much more fashionable in the Caribbean region than approaching a company and saying, we can reduce your energy consumption. I think people understand, oh, solar can generate power for me and get me off the grid. But to understand first that we need to reduce energy consumption requires, I think, a little bit of conditioning and explanation. So we approach companies and we have to go through a process where we explain what we're trying to achieve. Then um, we've just said COP26. Yep. Does your country um, yeah. engage with that? Yeah. yeah. Big smile. Is, you're going to have to explain the smile, Adrian, on your face. <laughs> well, the, if you have time to do the research, of course, it's Trinidad and Tobago, but we still talk about the Caribbean region. Yeah, yeah. The Prime Minister of Barbados gave what some might say would have been, I don't want to use the word legendary, but a very rousing speech about it, about climate change. If you have time, you can check it out. Um, her name is Mia Motley. And what she discussed was Barbados is, is a fairly flat country. Right. It's a pretty small island, um, limestone-based flat country, and they are actually um, one of those countries that can be significantly impacted upon by rising sea levels. And they have been doing a lot within their space to promote renewable energy. Barbados is probably the leader in the Caribbean as it pertains to renewable energy installations. But their point is they can do a thousand great things, but if the world doesn't work with them, they're still going to be in trouble. It doesn't matter. We've all got to work on it together. Yeah. Um, And unfortunately, it's not the people that are causing the problem that's going to be impacted the most. That's a problem. We all will will eventually be impacted, you know, if we don't do anything. But initially, the... You know the impact on the country is going to be on the world is going to be in the in the areas which they're they're not impacting on it, which is very sad in in my yep. eyes. So it's almost like a reverse. The who feels it first and most will be the small developing islands or countries. These island states, they're going to feel it first. Mm. And uh, people living in large continents, U.S., Canada, China, and so on, they will feel that they will feel probably feel effects of it last. So we in the Caribbean have to be mindful that we have a job to do, but we also need a large amount of support from our brothers and sisters in these developed countries to help us to maintain our quality of life. And this is one of the reasons why this podcast is out there, is to bring your story to the rest of the world and for you to learn the stories from the rest of the world as well, because, you know, we've been talking there's my training there's my support i can give you there's documentation that can help you with the awareness of your country yes i i'm lucky in the uk because we've had legislation and i've been in this industry for 40 years but every year goes past there's a little tweak regarding legislation that then brings it means i've got to sometimes do more training but then Mm -hmm. it's another driver you know if i looked at the drivers say 10 years ago, it would be save money and possibly climate change, you know, the ozone layer. Now it's the ozone layer, it's it's climate change, it's, you know, driving their costs down, energy prices, the prices going up of energy. You know, there's more driving for it. And legislation, we have things like ESOS. So it's all the major organizations have to focus on that and SECRA. 
unfortunately the little companies they they need some support mm. um so i've been lucky so I, that's why i'm bringing this story and sharing these stories around the world through this podcast yeah and i i appreciate that and i think these are the things that make a lot of sense if you have link, linkages between companies and countries and different experiences so one thing you mentioned there about legislations that actually is a big difference that actually works and it works pretty well globally so the government have to support the initiative and put those laws in place those rules in place to, to support the actual economy and to support the actual private sector in um, companies from getting involved in it um so at the end of the day as i have a class and i tell everyone yes we talk about going green and sustainability but we can't sustain something indefinitely if it doesn't have some break even or profit in the end because we just can't do it there's no way you can support an initiative indefinitely without it being sustainable right and most times it is private sector it has to be sustainable financially that's a requirement and the government can play a key role in that actually they in fact can we talked about offline which is totally irrelevant to what we're talking about now but yeah. we're talking about governments and legislation and laws we're talking about masks and we're talking about people being told to wear a mask and they do yeah. if it's a legislation yeah. and they get told it's a it's a rule yeah why can't it be a rule to turn your lights off why can't it be a rule to only use your air conditioning at certain values this that's what's going to happen yeah. long term that will happen we have no choice yes exactly i think long term for to really cut back on energy usage we will, we will have to get to a point where we have laws in place as to how we how we use or abuse energy mm. technically in trinidad um we abuse energy significantly because it's cheap and our bottom line is not heavily impacted on it or by it but if it was and if there was some fine to pay and so on people will fall in line people will say okay i need to monitor my my ac usage i need to monitor my light usage i need to monitor how i, I you know i even burn gas for fuel because it's all the same in climate right it's still impacted upon by how we use gasoline so you're totally correct there mandates or i shouldn't say mandates but legislation that promotes energy management that promotes green living and green lifestyle is in fact critical to the growth of the actual sector within the caribbean region so um adrian um hmm? we've had a rehearsal on this because we had problems with the the uh and noise um and broadband so yeah. you, you know what where we are in the the point of my my podcast at the moment is i like to put my my guest on the spot and yeah, you've sure. been on the spot and uh, never <laughs> since we started obviously but is there anything you can give back to the industry today from your country and from you individually well i'll take it in, in in two parts the first thing we can give back is the the drive to reduce energy usage and to also embrace renewable energies is one that we have to do it's not a good idea it's not a, a novelty that we could do once it has to be something that becomes standard to how we live and secondly what i would say is as i mentioned prior is if you're an entrepreneur if you there's something that you would really love to do something that you've been thinking about whether it be renewable energy whether it be the 
a, a chef, whether it be a DJ in a booth, right? You have to bet on yourself, bank on yourself and believe in yourself because if you don't, no one else will. And being an entrepreneur or being someone who works in that industry, you have to be able to say, I know I can do it. I know I can, I can succeed. And I have the passion and the energy to get it done. I think one of the worst things that we can do to ourselves is to have a dream and just let it die and don't believe in ourselves. Because having support from a friend or family is good. But when it's all said and done, you have to believe in yourself to achieve any goal that you're trying to achieve, especially one that's not common or one that you didn't set out to do initially. So you need to have that belief, that passion, that drive, and that energy, and you can get the things you want in life or out of life. It really is attainable. I agree. And I, I didn't say that when I started out 40 years ago, and, and that's what I'm going to be. But every year that passed through the industry and every, every transition, I've gone through transition. You mentioned yeah. nuclear fuel, um, yeah. nuclear power. That was my first beginning. I've been in energy okay. management. Yeah. I've been in controls. And each uh, sort of milestone of my career, I've had to think exactly that thing and, you know, set my goals, set my mind. And in fact, we're coming up to now, um, by the time this podcast goes out, we'll be in 2022. So it's now yeah. we need to start looking at setting our goals. And we could be setting our goals in in, in January. You know, it doesn't matter as long as we set them goals um, and set them yeah. goals out there to, to, to pass. We don't have to set them out for 40 years. <laughs> I didn't, but I'm still right. here. <laughs> right, right. So Adrian, that's important, yeah. It's been really great catching up with you again. Same uh, here. Same apologies here. Um, for the, the mix-up with all the broadband and the communications, but we've got there in the end. Uh, it's been really great hearing from you. I hope that we can get you back and hear some more involvement what's happening in your country in the future so you and your family please stay safe in these times same to you paul i mean it's a difficult time still globally i don't think we thought you'd still be here basically two years in but um keep safe thank you